Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey guys, in this episode, Stefan and co-host Ed Ray share powerful entrepreneurial insights on topics including how to successfully transition from marketer to offer owner. You have a huge advantage you can use in your favor. The unmatched benefit of building and owning an offer how to determine if your promo is performing, and the two elements to optimize to get a massive conversion boost. Enjoy. So, <clears throat> Nikhil asks, uh, I know people in the Copy Accelerator have transitioned from affiliate to offer owners successfully. Tom Merritt, for example. What would you say are the keys to successfully make this transition? That's a good question. Sweet. I'm actually curious to know too. Yeah, that's a good question. What's up, Nikhil? How are you? What's happening, guys? Thanks for uh, taking my question. 100%. Um, yeah, so are you an affiliate right now? Yeah, um, affiliate right now focused on working with DFO, giddy up, and you know, um, in the background, I've been building my own offer. Um, so yeah, really interested in, I know that Tom is in the, in the health, health space and he has kind of made that transition. So yeah, we'd love to kind of get you guys advice and guidance on how you know what the you know what are some of the keys to success um going from affiliate mindset to actually building an offer and going down that path awesome and as an affiliate right now are you doing like media buying on like facebook and native or is it mostly email what's the sort of traffic source primarily so (laughs) my traffic source it's actually pretty interesting i'm focused on two traffic sources it's uh, Facebook and Snapchat. So nice. those are like the two. So our traffic sources are actually pretty polar opposites, uh, Facebook and Snapchat. Yeah, that's cool though. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so as far as transition, I mean, you have a huge advantage because like one of the biggest issues offer owners run into is, is traffic problems. Um, like, yeah, you can just work with affiliates and that's great. But if you're able to, you know, run your own media and acquire customers and buyers and do that and saying you can control and you can control the cost for acquisition or CPA, uh, you know, that, that's a huge leg up. So really the big thing that I learned, cause I went from copywriter to offer owner in 2015. And the yeah. big thing I kind of learned is, um, well, there is, there is a learning curve, right? Because like there, there's just a bunch of the, the little intangibles that, that nobody tells you about, um, that can trip you up. So, do you know what kind of offer do you want to run? Are you thinking like a health offer? Are you thinking uh, like gadgets and like, you know, gizmos or what, do, what are you thinking? So uh, it will be an offer in the pet, pet, uh, pet care space. Okay. Pet supplement space. Cool. Nice. Good, good space for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, 
I get a couple of things I'd say. I mean, don't, don't try and reinvent the wheel. Like look at what's already working and model off of that. So like, <laughs> you know, just like you might see ads that are working and swipe those, like you can do the same thing with successful offers. Um, you know, you don't need to like go out and, and we don't like just copy somebody's stuff, but like, you know, uh, I think a lot of times people go into like offer ownership and they think they need to like kind of, um, you know, do something wildly creative and like you don't necessarily. Um, so I think that's one important thing. Um, then, you know, there's just the intangible stuff. Like the big things you're gonna run into is like inventory and inventory management. And like, are you going to, um, you know, if you're paying for inventory up front, how much do you need to buy? And then are they gonna, if you not overscaling, cause if you scale too fast and you run up inventory, uh, and then you can't like, uh, you know, you aren't able to fulfill people's orders and you have to refund them. Uh, customer service is extremely important. That's like the first thing I did with my health supplement company was I, yeah. I hired a programmer first, but then the second person I hired was a customer service manager. And I had the customer service manager hire co customer service agents. Um, cause if you have great communication with your customers, uh, like you'll just generally, they'll forgive you for a lot of your sins. So if it takes, you know, and a few extra days for an order to arrive or, it gets damaged in shipping or whatever it is like by having really responsive, uh, supportive customer service, you'll make more money, you'll make more sales, but you'll also save yourself on refunds and chargebacks and things like that. So putting an emphasis on customer service from day one, I think is really important. Um, merchant processing is really important. You know, you can, depending on, on how your copy is and what kind of claims you're making, things like that, you can, um, you know, maybe you can use Stripe, but what you, you generally should have a couple of different merchant processing options. Otherwise you run the risk of, you know, you're running and you're doing well and you're on Stripe and you're doing a hundred thousand a month or a million a month or whatever it is. And you're, you're feeling really good about it. And then Stripe comes out and says, Oh, you know what? We don't, we don't, we don't want to do pet supplements anymore. So we're actually going to stop. And suddenly you just lost all of your processing abilities or they say, well, you know what? You're new and we're not sure about you and you have, like some chargebacks. So we're going to put a 60 day hold on your money. So suddenly like you can't scale and you've got, you know, six figures locked up. Like that happened to me early on. I tried using Stripe for my first health supplement company and they locked up like 140,000 or $200,000 for like, it was like six months or something like that. And, um, almost put me under right then and there. So ideally having some, uh, merchant processing, like options, like I think Stripe could be fine, but I would still have a backup. Uh, I personally work with the, the folks at Cambridge Commerce a lot, Travis Gomez and Coleman. Um, yeah, Justin Lucas at Heart Cambridge. I've had great experience with them. I'm actually getting some new mids with them right now because of some of the stuff I'm doing. Um, this is the big ones. Your email list, monetize your email data. Don't like sit around thinking about um, that you're going to get to it and not get to it. Like build a relationship with your email list. In my opinion, is like actually provide a lot of value to them. Uh, but then sell too. Don't be afraid to sell. I'd email every day. Uh, you can email more than once a day. I used to have like, you know, I had like a three month long autoresponder sequence that I just wrote over time. Yeah. And, but then I still, and I'd have, some of those would have sales to other offers in them, but then I would still send out blasts like separately. So like right. I would just send two emails, right? Um, so a lot of this stuff. Oh, and then financials, like the numbers, like understanding the difference between revenue and profit. I mean, you're an affiliate, yeah. so I know you do, but that one's huge. People... <laughs> yeah look at numbers. Like I remember when I did a million dollars in revenue and I was like, wow. And then I was like, but I lost 200,000 and it was like, wow, I need to get a job probably like, you know? Um, so 
revenue uh, is is not you know is, is a BS vanity metric. Um, it's about profitability and. Finally, just optimizing your offers too. I mean, like, like from, from all kinds of, not just from like conversions in that standpoint, but um, even for profitability, like my health supplement company that did 23 million in the second year, it sounds awesome. But our AOV was like our average order value was like 140 for a lot of that. Whereas now most of my offers have a 200, $250 average order value. So it's like, if I had actually just had better average order value, not only would have I made, I would have profited millions of dollars more. And then my cool vanity metric would have been 40 or 50 million instead right. of, um, you know, less. So those are some really big things that, uh, came, come to mind right, right out the gate. Are, are those helpful? Yeah, those are, uh, super helpful. Do you mind if I ask one more, one more question? Yeah, go for it. So I know that, uh, with your health supplement company, like, how did you think about formulations, right? Because I, I know that a lot of guys in the supplement space, they're um, using stock formulations. So I go to, you know, Ion Labs and, you know, I could either use their stock formulation, right? Or I can spend, you know, a few thousand dollars, not really too much money, developing a custom formulation and kind of have that confidence that this is a superior product. So how, how you know, how did you think about like using a stock formulation versus a custom formulation because um, in, in kind of my kind of limited experience, like the product or the offer kind of dictates what you can, how far you can go with the copy and the claims you can make. So I'm really um, curious to hear how you thought about, thought about that. Yeah. So out of the gate for my first company, I used custom formulations, but then as I started scaling, it became, you know, I'm putting, I was putting in like hundred, $150,000 like purchase orders and that ate up all my cash flow, Right. And made it difficult to do more stuff. So then I found out that like ship offers had a really similar formulation that was on demand for uh, one of my products. And I'm like, Oh, so I can just do that. Uh, so I switched to on demand for some stuff, but then I also, once I had a track record with the on demand formulations, then I would go to the same suppliers and be like, Hey, look, you see my volume I'm doing, you don't want to lose me as a customer. So I want you to just like do this custom formulation for me on demand. And I found another manufacturer who would do that. And I said, they're going to do it for me on demand. I'm not going to pay up front. So I'm totally, I love you guys, but I'm going to go with them unless you'll also uh, go on demand. So once you get a little leverage, uh, you can then switch and get custom formulations done for you on demand and only pay when you sell it for a lot of the suppliers. Uh, so if it were me, today, I would probably, it always depends on the financial situation. If you're just sitting there and you've got like, you know, a couple hundred grand just in the bank and you don't know what to do with it, then sure, go custom to start. But generally I would say going on demand early, um, while you build up a track record and it enables you to, to test and kind of see if, make sure things are working and with, with less of an investment up front. And then if things are working at that point, you can either, well, you can switch to a custom formulation no matter what, but you can also even take your track record and what you're doing and use that to negotiate getting custom formulations done for you on demand. So you still don't have to come out of pocket upfront and the manufacturer supplier is still assuming all of the risk. Yeah, that that's super, super helpful. This has been something I've been uh, spending a lot of time uh, thinking about. Thank you, Stefan. Really, cool. really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Sweet. Sweet. Sweet, right. sweet. Jack Barrera said, when did you first realize you wanted to evolve from copywriter to offer owner? What steps did you take and how would you recommend a novice copywriter follow, follow a similar path? You know, Jack, I kind of broke that down in the beginning. I'm not sure if you're 
you probably work is from 10, 10 a.m. So I know that kind of gave you an answer when I was talking about like sort of like transitioning from an affiliate to an offer owner. Um, but, you know, I realized it for me as a copywriter when I was helping the Lions Publishing guys to scale to like 100 million in revenue in a single year. And even though I was making good money, there was just a cap on it. Like I couldn't get any equity, which I don't, in hindsight, equity is, I did a YouTube video if you haven't watched that about why there's an equity trap and I didn't really need equity. But I felt like my upside was still limited and I wanted to do something where I didn't have limited upside. Uh, and that was really the big impetus. And then I felt like I knew the market really well because I knew like kind of the 50 plus conservative demographic market. And so I felt as though I would have an easy time doing a transition. They were doing info products, including a lot of health info products. I knew if I did supplements, it should be the same thing. Uh, that really helped me to transition. Um, Brent said, I'm about to launch my first long form sales letter to Nutra Supplement. How do you judge whether a letter is working or not? And if not, do you rewrite the entire thing or start for certain piece? Brent, yeah, that's um, a tough one. But I mean, honestly, it's like, what are you, are you getting an ROI? And if you're, if you're sending your own traffic to it, are you, you know, getting a, are you break even? Are you a little below break even? Uh, you know, if, if you're, if you're like, say you spend a thousand dollars and get back $600 then that's actually probably pretty encouraging. And it means you may just need to optimize a little more. And if I were going to do that, I would focus on the headline, the lead sort of stuff at the beginning, because that's usually going to get you the biggest boost. If you send, you know, a thousand dollars of good traffic to it and nobody buys, then that's probably a sign that the offer is in trouble and needs to, um, you know, kind of be reworked here. All right. That's just about it for today. Before we finish though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high-level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words, and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.